1966, December 18th, 50 years ago, this year was the first time that a team of animators in the legendary voice of Boris Karloff brought uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas to TV screens across America. And it's kind of been a Christmas classic since that time. Just by, just by way of you, is there anybody in the house this morning who has not seen the animated version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Anybody? Me, uh, right there. L- your mom and dad need to get you that for Christmas. They, they, w- we'll take up an offering here in just a few minutes. And uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, wow! Huh? Oh, well, you might think, what in the world does that have to do with coming together uh, in the context of worship and celebrating the the birth of Jesus Christ? Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that a Grinch is not just a character in a Dr. Seuss story. But actually, Grinches have been around a long, long time. Actually, there was a Grinch that was a part of the original Christmas story, a man by the name of Herod. But Grinches still roam neighborhoods, office buildings, schools, and even church buildings all the time. And so with apologies to Boris Karloff and Jeff Foxworthy, We're going to take just a few minutes this morning and talk about the fact that you might be a Grinch if. You might be a Grinch if there's some things that are true about you, even this time of the year. We'll learn those from maybe the original Grinch, King Herod himself. We find his uh, part of his story recorded in Matthew chapter 2. And one of the first things that we understand, you might be a Grinch if you get upset when God invades your territory. You get upset when God invades your territory. As, as the birth of Jesus came about, not everybody was excited about that, and Matthew's gospel records that for us. Chapter 2 opens with these words. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, so, and for so it was written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. You might be a Grinch if you get upset when God invades your territory. Herod was upset because the coming of Jesus was a threat. It was a threat to his rule, to his reign, to his power, to his control. And as we think about the reality of Christmas, what we understand is that Jesus isn't just a babe in Bethlehem's manger. He's not just this icon to be whipped out once a year and displayed in yards or store windows or in your house. No, he is the Lord. In fact, that's what the angels announced to the shepherds, did they not? Christ the Savior, the Lord, the Lord, the rightful ruler, the rightful king. You see, what Christmas reminds us is it's not just a baby who came, but it is the rightful king and the rightful Lord who came to reestablish his rule and reign in the hearts and lives of all men and women. 
And when I act like a Grinch, I resist that rule. I resist that reign. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You can't just pull him out at Christmas. You can't just, I want you to be Lord part of the time. He's either Lord of all, all the time, or he is not Lord at all. I'm a Grinch when I get offended, when I get upset, when God invades my territory, when my perceived right to rule and reign clashes with his right to rule and reign in my life. You might be a Grinch if you get upset when God invades your territory, when he exercises his rightful rulership. You might be a Grinch when you pretend to be something you're not. When you pretend to be something you're not. You remember in Dr. Seuss's uh, story, he was upset. He was upset because of the noise coming from Whoville, right? And so he was going to deal with this. He was going to deal with this. And so he devises the plan. You saw some of it in the video. He dresses up like Santa Claus, and he, he goes into Whoville there, and, and little Cindy Lou Who, right, confronts him as he's taking the tree away, and he pretends to be something he's not. He pretends to be Santa Claus who's just going to repair a light bulb on the tree. Herod pretended to be something he was not. He pretended to be a genuine worshiper of the coming king. Let's just continue to follow there in Matthew's gospel, verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. That was a lie. (laughs) He He was pretending to be very spiritual, pretending to be very interested in discovering where this king was so that he could go and worship him. But the truth of the matter is, it was all a religious front. It was all just spiritual gobbledygook, if you would. He wasn't interested in worshiping. He was interested in eliminating this threat, this threat to his rightful rule and reign in our life. I'm like a Grinch when I pretend to be something that I'm not when I act more spiritual than I truly am, when I act like God is a higher priority in my life than he really is, when I put on religious airs instead of living out of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. In order for you and I to experience God's best in our lives and in our relationships with other people, we have to move beyond pretending to authenticity. We we have to move beyond just putting on a front to being real, being real first and foremost in our relationship with God, and then progressively being real in the very important relationships in our lives. I'm a Grinch when I pretend to be something I'm not. You and I might be a Grinch, thirdly, if you can't join others in their joy. You can't join others in their joy. If you remember Dr. Seuss's Grinch, there was that, that moment when he had, had kind of carried out his, his little plan there, and he had taken all the food and all the presents and all the toys and everything that made noise and all the decorations, and he, he hauled it all up the mountain, and then he just kind of listened. He listened in hopes and anticipation that the only thing he was 
was going to hear was, was weeping and wailing and moaning and all of these things. And it's interesting, many folks feel like Dr. Seuss wrote that uh, story to kind of combat the commercialization of Christmas. And that was 50 years ago, right? 50 years ago, right? But what happened? They gathered together and they started to sing in Whoville. And joy still emanated up the mountain, even though all the stuff was gone. And there was that crisis because in that moment, he couldn't join in the joy. He couldn't experience what they were experiencing. He had so misread the situation. He thought it was all about the stuff when it was all about something much more important than the stuff. As you follow the the narrative here in Matthew's gospel, you find, you look in Matthew or Luke or the other passages, that there's joy. It's good news of great joy for all people. There's rejoicing all over the place, but the Grinch can't rejoice, right? Herod can't join in the joy. Let's keep reading verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them, when it came out to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Here they're caught up in the joy, the, the joy of worship of the joy of this incredible gift that God has given them. And out of their joy, they worship. And out of their worship, they give. They give of their treasure. They give of their resources. They give joyfully and willingly because they recognize the greatness of the one who is before them, even in the form of a baby. See, here's the thing that can happen to us if we're Grinch-like. You can be really close to joy and still miss it. You can be close to joy. There can be people who are joyous all around you, and you can miss it. The secret to joy is not what was under your tree this morning. The secret to joy is being vitally connected to Jesus Christ. And listen, I hope Santa was good to you. I do. And I hope hope there's a lot of happiness out of the exchanging of those gifts. But I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a lot of folks that at the end of the day, Whether they're happy with what they got under the tree or not, they're not going to be filled with joy because they're not connected. They're not connected to Jesus Christ. To know joy, something has to happen. Something has to happen on the inside. Something has to happen that you have to be vitally connected to this one who is the source of life and the source of joy, Jesus Christ. I'm a Grinch when I can't join others in their joy And I don't join others in their joy when I don't have that vital connection to Jesus Christ. There's another way that you and I might be a Grinch. You might be a Grinch when you get infuriated when your plans don't work out. When you get infuriated when your plans don't work out. I'm sure there's not a control freak in the house this morning, but uh, for some of those control freaks that you know, sometimes we get upset. We get infuriated when our plans don't work out. In the Dr. Seuss tale, there was that kind of crisis moment for the Grinch as he was just, this was my plan. It was going to ruin Christmas. It was going to keep the noise from coming up the mountain, and it didn't work. And there was that that puzzlement and that all those mixture of 
emotions running through. And isn't it interesting that, that the color that Dr. Seuss chose for the Grinch was green, the color of envy, right? Color of envy. He gets envy and his infuriation. He can't understand why those plans don't work out. And the original Grinch, Herod, was much worse than that. If you would skip down in the narrative after he realizes that he has been fooled by the wise men, that they saw through his pretending to be interested in worshiping the king, he takes action. Skip down with me, if you would, uh, to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. In his anger, because his plan didn't work out to take care of this one child, in his anger, in his fury, he, he unleashes this, this mini genocide, if you would. He, he wipes out all these male children, two years old and under. And by the way, have you noticed that when adults sin, very often it's the children that get hurt. When adults walk in disobedience to God, It is very often the children who bear the brunt of that sinful behavior and choices. And in much the same way, Herod in his fury unleashed it upon the children. See, one of the things that Christmas reminds us is that God is not obligated to follow our plans. But we are privileged to be a part of and to follow his plans. And one of the things that Christmas confronts us with, because my guess is if any of us were designing how to save the world, how to, how to rescue people from their sin, we wouldn't have started with a baby in a manger in a stall in Bethlehem, right? And we, we would have come up with a whole better rollout than that, right? Our plans are not God's plans. The Scripture says our ways are not His ways. Our thoughts are not His thoughts. And I can just about guarantee you that if God gives you another year, all your plans aren't going to work out next year. And you can either get infuriated by that or you can submit to the sovereign king. And you can say, God, it's not about you blessing my plan, but it's about me getting in on your plan. It's about me following you and being a part of what you're doing. God, what are you up to in the world? And how do you want me to be a part of it? I mean, I think that's a great prayer and a great question for us to ask almost every single day. God, what are you up to in the world today, and how do I get in on it? How can I be a part of what you're doing? How can I get in on your plans? You might be a Grinch if you get infuriated when your plans don't work out. Now, at this point in the story, Dr. Seuss's Grinch and the biblical Grinch go in two different directions. They go in two different directions. One is a story with a happy ending. One is a story that continues to live out in tragedy. And that leads kind of to the fifth characteristic and the final one we'll look at this morning. You might be a Grinch if your heart needs to be changed. If your heart needs to be changed. We could tell by Herod's actions that his heart was absolutely not changed. You don't order the mass killing of two-year-old children and below if your heart has been changed. 
But you remember the Dr. Seuss story, right? You remember it? You remember the kind of the, the little heart thing started happening there as he, as he was listening and the jig got caught up in the joy and he pondered and he wondered all of a sudden something began to happen in his heart and it, it grew three sizes that day, Dr. Seuss said, right? Something changed in his heart. Something changed in his heart. You might be a Grinch if you need something to change in your heart. And you know, that's, that's not only the story of Christmas, but that's, that's kind of the story of Scripture, isn't it? I mean, what, what Jesus made possible by his coming, heart change, the Old Testament foretold. God said through the prophet Ezekiel, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That God from the beginning, once sin entered into the world, was in the process of of heart transformation. And he's still in that business. He's still doing that today. In fact, is for some of you, maybe this Christmas is about a heart change. Maybe it's about a heart transformation. It's about allowing Jesus Christ to come in, not just as a religious figure to be kind of celebrated once or twice a year, but as the rightful king and the rightful Lord, the Savior, the forgiver, the one who can cleanse you, the one who can change you, the one who can give you a brand new beginning and a brand new start. Actually, one of the things that happens, you remember in the Dr. Seuss tale, as this heart was enlarged, all of a sudden, the Grinch changed. In fact, as he had strength, right? As he pulls that sled back up the mountain, then he carries it down, and he starts, he starts behaving in different ways because that's what happens when your heart is changed. You have a strength to begin to live differently. Changed hearts lead to changed actions. An old Grinch heart steals everything and takes everything. A new heart gives, a new heart shares, a new heart gives away, a new heart uh, slices the roast beast, right? I mean, a new heart has a whole different set of actions, and not only actions, but changed relationships. So no longer are the people in Whoville to be resented. No longer is Cindy Lou Who somebody to be lied to, but now it's somebody to share with, to give to. When your heart's changed, your actions change. Your relationships change. You want to know if God's in the process of changing your heart? Check out your relationships. Check out your actions. Those will begin to give you a clue as to whether your heart has truly been changed. And so this Christmas, the invitation is is very, very simple. It's just an invitation to open your heart to Christ in a fresh new way. And perhaps you're here today and and maybe you came out of tradition, maybe you came out of a sense of family obligation, maybe you came because the people you're staying with said you had to come, I don't know. They threatened not to feed you if you didn't show up, I I don't know. But I know that God has a way. God has a plan, and God has an offer, and God has the greatest gift that you'll ever receive, and that's the gift of forgiveness, that's the gift of life, that's the gift of wholeness, that's the gift of restoration, that's the gift of eternity, and it's only made possible through Jesus Christ. That's why the baby came to Bethlehem. 
That's why he lived a life of perfect love and perfect obedience. That's why he would voluntarily, according to the Father's plan, go to the cross to die in my place and yours. And that's why God gave his seal of approval, the Father, in the resurrection and the ascension. That's why he's going to come again someday. He came to change your heart. He came to change your life. He came to change your relationships. He came to change your eternity. And if you're here today and you've never opened up your life to Jesus Christ, I'm just going to encourage you today just to say, God, I need that. I need what only you can do. I, I admit I've gone my own way. I've been Grinch-like. I've, I've had my agenda and my plans. But I, I give that to you. I give it to you and ask you to come in and forgive my sin. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to change me. I ask you right now to be the rightful king and the rightful Lord of my life. And if that's something that God is prompting in you today, then I'm just going to ask you on the back of that Connect card that Shannon mentioned earlier in the service, just in that box that says, my next step today is to, would you just check that and say, Pastor Jeff, today I'm going to acknowledge. Acknowledge my sin and trust in Christ as the only way for me to experience forgiveness of my sin, eternal life, and reconciliation with God. Today, I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Today, I want a brand new heart. But there are some of you here today that maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a a while. But even as we kind of went through some of those Grinch-like qualities, some of those rang a bell with you. Maybe you felt the nudge of the Spirit today. And maybe part of your Christmas is to just come back before your king and say, Forgive me for missing the joy. Forgive me for getting fixated on circumstances instead of on you. Help me to to surrender my plans to yours. Help me to ask every day in this upcoming year, not for you to bless my plans, but how can I get in on your plans? And maybe today you just need to say, this Christmas, in a fresh new way, Jesus, I need you to be real to me. I need you to do a work, a deep work in my heart this Christmas. There may be some other steps that you need to take, maybe just some other things that we can pray for you about, and I'm just going to invite you in just a minute to take that Connect card and check some appropriate boxes or write down a prayer way we can pray with you and, and just partner with you as we end this year and move into a brand new year. But my my encouragement to you this Christmas, don't settle for life as a Grinch. My encouragement to you is to allow Jesus Christ to give you a brand new heart, to work in your heart in a fresh, new way. Let's bow our heads together as we pray, please. Father, how we thank you that you're in the business of transforming Grinches, that you're in the business of healing. You're in the business of changing relationships and changing lives. And Father, just as we have so much on our calendar and even so much today, we have just taken this time to come and to say, you are worthy. You are worthy to be worshiped. You're worthy to be sought. You are worthy of uh, of our complete trust, our complete surrender, our complete obedience. And so, Father, today, even as we just are still for just a few moments in the midst of the the busyness of this season. We just sit before you 
And we respond. We respond to your invitation to work in our heart in a fresh, new way. And I'm just going to ask you just to kind of remain in a posture of prayer for just 60 seconds more. And as you're just sitting before the Father, maybe just to take a moment or two and give thanks for what He has done, what we remember He has done for us in this Christmas. And then just to say, Lord Jesus, what does it look like for me to open up my heart and my life to you in a fresh new way in this upcoming year? What does it look like for you to do a deep work in my heart? And then I'm just going to ask you, as you just respond to him where it's appropriate, you may just want to make a note on a note.